Amen. Well, I say good morning. Whoa, there we go. I'm there. <laughs> uh, we're back. Uh, great, great morning. I trust you've had a great Christmas week and shoveling, digging out, or just staying in and not worrying about it. Just uh, somebody, I, I texted, my kids were out and they were making snow, snow men, snow ladies. Snow couple. They made a snow couple. And uh, uh, I posted some of that, and I had done my driveway, and somebody said, why are you working so hard? Just let it melt. <laughs> it ain't melting. <laughs> no. No, it's not melting. So this is, uh, this is what we call Kansas weather here, and I guess it's what some of you remember from years and years and years ago up here, uh, snowing like this all the time. So, but it's, uh, it's good to be back home in Kansas, up on the mountain right here shoveling a couple times each day, and then we came up to the church, and it was like, oh, no, you know, like more than oh, no, but, uh, man, we had a big group out yesterday just, just shoveling and scraping, and, oh, man, I tell you what, if you see Rob Magray, would you just hug that guy? Uh, he's, a, he's a big teddy bear guy anyway, so uh, just hug him, man. He, he spent from, from 8 o'clock up here till about 4 o'clock uh, get in our parking lot so that we could come in this morning and slip on the ice. No, not slip on the ice, but just, uh, you know, because we're, we're on a hill, so it just melts downhill. But, uh, no, it was a great week. Did you have a good time with family? A good, good time? Did it, did, and you were able to get back, evidently. Uh, our kids got stuck twice trying to get out of here, and they wouldn't let them. They turned them back at the uh, on-ramp and said, no, <laughs> go wherever you were. And uh, so, but they finally made it home. But it's almost Happy New Year, right? We're almost there. Are you ready to say Happy New Year? It's, all, it's almost there, and uh, it was a good Christmas. It's amazing each year how fast it comes and goes. It's kind of like cooking a meal, isn't it? Lynn can attest to that. You, you work all, and you get all of the ingredients. You get everything made, and it takes hours, and then, all, then everybody eats in like 12 minutes, you know? And all you want to do is go hit the couch or the floor or wherever your favorite spot to relax is. But it just happens so fast. Uh, each year. It seems like we're hurrying around for a month and a half getting everything ready and then we light our Christmas Eve candles and poof, it's over. It's, it's over. And well, I would say this though, for, as, uh, for us as followers of, of Jesus, it, it's never really over. It's, it, it's not over, ever. Uh, uh, ju- just the gift wrap part, for Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Over and over, day in, day out, weekend, month month in, month out, no matter where we find ourselves, the Lord continues to give and bless our lives. Even if we're in a challenging time, we can find God's hand working in our lives. Our Christmas past only points us to what is to come. I hope you see that, that, that it's not over. All of them, all of the Christmas past, they just kind of turn us around. They point us towards what is to come. And now we point to the cross, and thanks be to God for that. Where would we be without the birth of Jesus? Where would we be without the cross? I'd hate to think what that might be like. But it's hard to feel, it's hard not to feel a little let down after Christmas. You know what I mean? It's all over. It's time to take the trees down. There's wrapping stuff everywhere. Millie, not my dog, uh, likes to go grab paper out of the trash and bring it to you and look at you like, chase me, chase me. So it's kind of a little bit of a letdown. She did find my gift under the tree, and she seemed to like to go get it, grab it, and look at you like, are you going to chase me? And it's like, drop it, and then, it, then it's down for the count. You know, we're going to have some fun here. But it's a little bit of a letdown. 
when it's all over, when it's all said and done. A few days after Christmas one year, a pastor at a Presbyterian church, he was noticing that all of the Christmas decorations at one of the local pharmacies had been removed. And the decorations had already been replaced with Valentine Day trinkets and cards. Maybe you've seen that already. They're already taking, uh, emptying the shelves out in front of Walmart and getting it ready for all the heart, all that candy that we don't need anymore. We've had enough of that. But they'd already been replaced with all of the red and the hearts and all that, red boxes of candy, teddy bears and big hearts on the teddy bears, ready, uh, red candles for romantic dining and lighting and the clerk behind the counter was complaining to one of her coworkers. She said, I hate Valentine's Day. I, I hate it. I never have a boyfriend. I just hate Valentine's Day. Do you remember those days? It's been a long time, right, honey? <laughs> well, that pastor, he goes on to comment with these words. He says, nothing is as over as Christmas when it's over. The empty boxes, the, the pretty paper on the floor, the, the stray tinsel from the tree that the cats played with and left abandoned on the sofa, and the empty cartons of eggnogs that, that's just stuffed down in the trash bag. Life has come back to normal. Whatever normal is. What it does mean is that the diversion of the past few weeks, that frenzy that we've been in and all the fuss and the lights and the glitter they're all packed away once again like the star at the top of the tree, taken down and carefully wrapped, padded, put in its padded and protected box that it stays in until next year. And what is left in the world that we live? What is left out there? Two foot of snow. There's wars. There's homeless folks sleeping on our streets all over California. Hungry people begging for food. Worries about health and kids that concern us. Do your kids concern you? If they don't, they will. That's just the way we're wired. We're worried about our kids. I thought I'd be done with that once they started moving out. Now I'm worried about where they're living, what they're doing, what's going on. Worries about health, jobs that wear us down. We're back to where we left off before the holidays, really. Like the folks who were left in the town after the Lone Ranger had been there for a visit. Anybody remember the Lone Ranger? Yeah. After his visit, we may ask out loud, who was that masked man? Who was that babe that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger? It all came and went so quickly. Well, we haven't moved that far from Christmas yet. Uh, we're just one week out from celebrating, uh, from the time that we've celebrated Christ's birth. We've had our Christmas ham or turkey, we've taken in as much sugary treats as we can possibly handle or perhaps more than we should have handled. And now it's time to put on the running shoes, hit the streets, lose some of the two pounds that they said that we would gain during this time of the year. And then we move forward. But there's an inevitable letdown. There always is. So much was packed into the four weeks of Advent. We can talk about keeping Christmas all year long, but who could handle that? Who could afford that? We don't want the backed up streets around Walmart all year long, and who could maintain last month's pace of eating? I don't want to try that. Actually, what we need is a little bit of rest from all the busyness, don't we? 
Was it busy, or did you do it all on Amazon in November? Mary and Joseph weren't allowed to stay in Bethlehem forever, and neither can we. It's back to the real world. Isn't this uplifting this morning? Back to the real world. But our world, there's so much, there's so much hate and evil in it. There really is. There's, there's tragedy. There's mayhem all around the world. There's, now there's stabbings all, all over the world that are going on. How, how do we move away from the manger and not get caught up in the anger and the hate and the evil? And, and that's just within the, our political culture. But what of the evil that resides within our own areas of influence right where we live? How can we possibly navigate the evil? Well, I'm glad that you came and asked this morning. For the answer, we always turn to the Word of God for what is needed next as we journey through this life and how we are to respond to the everyday things that we face. Every day we face various things that deal with this in our world, the situations that we're confronted with, the, the stuff of life we call it. It's just stuff of life. And we need help navigating it. And so we turn to the word, reading from God's word this morning. I direct your attention to Matthew 2, 13 through 18. Matthew 2, 13 through 18. Let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. And it just says this. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while he, it was still light and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he, he, he became very enraged and sent, and sent and slew all of the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of its vicinity. Its vicinity uh, for two, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, we're grateful and thankful for your word, and we just pray that it might bring us some comfort this morning. We pray that it might encourage us, Lord, to, to not try to stay in the past, but to move forward. We can't be in Bethlehem. We can't stay in the Christmas season forever, so we must move forward. But there's challenges in that, Lord, so we pray that your word would bring comfort to us. Help us to navigate the evil of the day that we live in, and we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here it is. It's what happened to Mary and Joseph and the babe after Christ's birth. After the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord, he appears to Joseph in a dream. And he says, get up. It's always a good thing to do after it's all said and done, after we've eaten our fill of whatever it is we had for Christmas dinner and we've had a, too much fudge and uh, all the kind of cookies that we had. It's really good to just get up. Get up, and the angel and Joseph, it came to Joseph in a dream. He says, get up, he said, and take the child and his mother to escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod's going to search out the child. He's going to kill him. So Joseph, he, what do you do? Here's another good thing. Not only get up, but be obedient when we hear the word of God that comes to us. Get up. So he got up. He took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. Now the holy family, just in time. For when Herod realized that he had been outwitted, 
by the wise men. He was furious. Man, he was mad. And he gave the orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and all around its vicinity who were there for two years, who were two years of age or under. Such was the cruelty of the king of Judea. Evil was chasing this little family. You ever felt chased by evil? Chased by the negative things in our world? You ever got a letter from the IRS in the mail? Did you feel chased? They're not evil. Well, I don't know. Not the good people. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream in Joseph in Egypt, and he said, get, get up. Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the child's life. They're, they're, they are all dead now. And so Joseph, he, he gets up. He got up again, took Mary and the child, and they went to the land of Israel as he was told. But, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in, in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, Joseph withdrew to the district of Galilee. And there he raised his family in a town called Nazareth. We complain, you know, sometimes because we have to go back to the real world after Christmas. Man, wouldn't you just love for the whole family to stay together for a while and come on, live at our house? <laughs> no. You were thankful for the quietness last night. Linda's like, it's kind of nice to get back to quiet. But, but, but how enjoyable it is to see our 30-year-old and our 24-year-old playing in the snow together. You know, if you just do about 10 years and they're just, maybe 15 years and they're just little again. But we can't stay there forever. But our world barely compares to the world of this young family. We've been celebrating these past weeks. They lived in a world where a cruel tyrant could order all the infants and toddlers to be put to death. They lived in the world where there were no jets to comfortably take them to Egypt. And the back of a donkey would have to work or perhaps even a journey on foot. Whatever the means of transportation, it was a hard and a very tiring thing. They lived in a world where even after Herod's death, they could not be certain that they would be safe. Herod's sons were as cruel as he was. And there was so much evil in their world, so much corruption, so many ways that you could realize or you might realize your own demise. So for us, Christmas is over. But where does that leave us? Over the weeks of Advent, we celebrated the prophecies and we pointed to the coming of the Christ child. And when the Messiah comes, Isaiah said that the world that we live in would have light and it would have love and peace and joy. Oh, the, the hope. May we never lose the hope. We're assured that the faithful will sing in delight for Emmanuel, God is with us, will be born. And he was born. And the world was forever changed. Our world was forever changed. But now what? Now what? Where has all the light, where has all the love and the peace and the joy gone to when Christmas is over? During Advent, we find that the kingdom of God only established a beginning at the, at the birth of Christ. The manger was just the beginning of God's plan. It wasn't the end, but the beginning there is much yet to be done. The babe must become a man. He must teach us his ways, and then we must teach the world. And then in the fullness of God's time, the age of the Messiah will be ushered in. 
But what are we to do in the meantime? What do... Well, what we do is we do what Joseph did during those dark days following Christ's birth. How do we navigate the evil that exists in our world? Well, first of all, number one, we trust God. We trust God. That's number one. You see, when Joseph was warned in a dream to flee Herod's wrath, he acted promptly. Joseph trusted God then, just as he trusted God when the angel told him that the child was within Mary, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This was the kind of man that Joseph was. He was a man of character who trusted God. When God spoke, this will date me kind of like when E.F. Hutton spoke. When God spoke, he obeyed. He listened. Ray Pritchard tells of a visiting, of a visiting at a graveyard with his brother in a rural area in Florence, Alabama. He says that he drove... They drove alongside a remote country road and finally they stopped near the ruins of an antebellum plantation. They got out and they walked into the forest about a quarter of a mile. There they found a family cemetery for the owners of a 19th century plantation. They, they climbed over a low wall and began inspecting the gravestones. Most of them were like 150 years old. Most of the markers contained phrases like loving father, beloved mother, darling son, rest in peace, asleep in Jesus, and so on. Eventually, they came to the grave of the man who had owned the plantation for many years, and under his name, there was the date of his birth and the date of his death, and then there was a five-word statement that summed up his whole life, a man of unquestioned integrity. Just five words. Nothing more, nothing less. Those are the words that could have been etched on Joseph's grave. A man of unquestioned integrity. Also, we could add to that a man of faith. And what is faith? The writer of Hebrews tells us what faith is. He uses Abraham as an example of a man of faith. What was special about Abraham? God came to Abraham and said, Go, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And then a few verses later we read, so Abraham went. God said go, and Abraham went. No argument, no delay, no let me test the wind, find out if this is the best way for me to go. Nope. God told him, and he went. God spoke, and Abraham obeyed. Later, God comes to Abraham, and he tells him to go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice his son as a burnt offering on a mountain there. And imagine what a terrible command this was. Even in that day, sacrifice your son, your only son whom you love. This would be the most horrifying nightmare a parent could have. But then the scripture says, early the next morning, Abraham got up. He got up and saddled his donkey. No hesitation on Abraham's part. God speaks and Abraham obeys. That's according to Hebrews what faith is. It's not an intellectual assent to an abstract idea. Faith is obedience. It is in complete obedience to the will of God. Well, an angel came to Joseph in a dream and he tells him to not be afraid. To not be afraid of taking Mary his wife, even though she is with child. 
And then Matthew tells us when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. And as we've already noted, when an angel came and told him to take Mary and the child and flee to Egypt, Matthew tells us Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. That was Joseph, a man of integrity, a man of faith. Do you think it might make a difference if all the people who called Jesus Lord had that kind of integrity, that kind of complete trust that when God says, get up, we get up, and when he says, go, we go. My guess is that it could change the world that we live in. I won't speak for you, but if I would listen and immediately obey, it could change my life. In some ways, it has changed my life, but I want to be more obedient than last year in the coming year, whenever God says, get up and go. So the first thing that we need to do after Christmas to navigate the evil of the world that we live in is to keep trusting God and to obey God immediately, not waiting, no hymn-hawing, just obedience. And number two, take care of those that we love. Take care of those that we love. You see, that was Joseph's main concern. He loved Mary, and he loved their son Jesus, and he was committed to do whatever was necessary to keep them safe and to provide for them not only to provide for them materially, but emotionally and spiritually. And you see, that is what we do when Christmas has passed. We keep trusting God and we take care of those that we love, not only materially, but emotionally and spiritually. We love them, we listen to them, and we encourage them, even if they're away from us, even if they don't live with us, even if they don't really like what we have to say. We still love them and encourage them. We understand that they are God's gift to us, and we treat them with love and dignity. We don't just turn our kids over to Julie and Goose in our youth and children's department. We engage with them in their spiritual lives. We take the godly themes that they've discovered through their interaction with the ministries right here at Dinez, and we share with our children. Uh, next time they come home from church, say, hey, what would you find out in, in kids' church this morning? What would you find out in 412 student ministries? What would you guys talk about? Have that kind of discussion. Never just leave it up to the church. Always incorporate it. We're responsible for the spiritual lives of our children, each one of us as parents. We evaluate their spiritual lives, and we share with them the things that we've come to know and understand about the Lord and how he interacts with us. Don't just leave it up to the church or to a worker or to a Sunday school teacher. Let's engage in that in our kids' lives. Of, of all folks, Jesse Jackson tells the story of a visit he made to the University of Southern Mississippi. And while touring that campus with the university president, he, he saw a towering young male student, six feet, eight inches tall, holding hands with a fidgety young lady, barely three foot three. What a contrast. Six foot eight inches tall and only three foot three inches shorter short from the, the gal that stood next to him. His curiosity got the best of him. Jackson watched as the young man dressed in a warm, warm-up suit tenderly kissed the tiny young lady and sent her off to class. And the president of the university said that the student was a basketball star. He was a basketball player. Both of his parents had passed away when he was a teenager, and he made a vow to look after his sister. Many scholarships came his way, but only southern Mississippi offered one to his little sister also. 
Jackson went over to the basketball player, the star. He introduced himself. He told the young basketball player that he appreciated the way he was looking out for his sister. And the six foot eight inch athlete shrugged and said, Those of us that God made six eight have to look for those he made three three. Hey, wouldn't it be awesome if every young person could have that kind of love for his sibling? Sometimes it comes later in life, does it not? Yes. You see, we are each to live lives of faith as we do, and as we do, we look out for those that we love. That's exactly what Joseph did. He cared for those that God had entrusted to him. We live in a time when things get tough. Some run off and find a new life. They turn tail and run to something else. This was not Joseph. Things got real tough. Things didn't go as as he thought they would have gone, but he listened to the voice of the Lord and he engaged. He was faithful and against perhaps reasonable judgment, he obeyed without hesitation. He did as the angel instructed. So this day, we must navigate the evil that is persistent in our day. It is an evil that existed in Herod as he had within him to slay all those babies under two years of age in an attempt to kill Jesus. And the killing continues today, the killing of the innocent, the murder of reputations, the lies and deceit. Just as what Joseph and Mary faced, we're faced in a different way today. The enemy comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. So how do we navigate that evil? Well, we keep trusting God. We, keep, we take care of those that we love. And number three, we don't forget the world that Christ died for. Why did Christ come into the world? One reason and one reason alone because as it says in that little verse that most of us grew up learning about at one time or another, it says in John 3, 16, you know it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's it. That's the mark. Christmas is centered in that kind of love. We want to keep the Christmas spirit all year long because the Christmas spirit consists of loving our neighbor and loving God, not just one day of the year, but all the year round. To close, I want to tell you a really difficult story. There was a man that was walking down a dimly lit street one day, late one evening, when he heard the muffled screams coming from behind in a clump of bushes. Alarmed, he slowed down to listen. He panicked when he realized that what he was hearing was the unmistakable sounds of struggle, heavy grunting, frantic scuffling, and the tearing of fabric. Only yards from where he stood, a woman was being attacked. He froze in his steps, hardly daring to breathe, lest the attacker should notice his presence. But then a strange thought occurred to him. Should he get involved? Frightened for his own safety, he He cursed himself for having suddenly decided to take a new route home that night. He he had family responsibilities. What if he became just another statistic? And he instantly had the urge to run to a safe place and to use his cell phone to call the police. But he could hear that struggle. It was becoming more and even more desperate. 
And eternity seemed to pass as he argued with himself. The deliberations in his head had taken only seconds, but already the girl's cries were growing weaker. He had to decide and fast. How could he sleep at night if he walked away from this? He finally resolved that he could not turn his back on the fate of this unknown woman, even if it meant risking his life. Known neither for his bravery or for his athletic abilities, he nonetheless summonsed up the moral courage and physical strength that he could. And once he had finally determined to help the girl, he became strangely transformed. He ran behind the bushes and pulled the assailant off the woman and he wrestled with the attacker for a few minutes until the attacker ran off. Panting hard, he scrambled upright and approached the girl who was crouched behind a tree, sobbing in the darkness. He could barely see her outline, but he could, he could certainly sense her trembling shock. And not wanting to frighten her, he first spoke to her from a distance. He said, it's okay. The man ran away. You're safe now. There was a long pause, and then he heard these words uttered in wonder, in amazement. Dad, is that you? Dad, is that you? And out from behind the tree stepped his youngest daughter. Oh, what if he had passed that night? What if he had decided not to get involved? What I want to say to you on this first Sunday after Christmas is this. We will only have the true spirit of Christmas when we understand that every child on this earth is ultimately our son or our daughter or our brother or our sister. It's good that we take care of those that we love, certainly. However, there are people, as people of faith, as followers of Jesus, the baby in Bethlehem manger calls us to expand those borders. To understand that the good of every person on this earth is of our concern. Maybe you have a son or a daughter that is far from Jesus. What if the way that we love that friend or that boyfriend or that girlfriend, what if the only way that we can speak into the son or daughter is through their child Maybe your grandchild showing unconditional love. Sometimes our thought is to not want to be involved with it. I don't agree with it. I don't want to be around it. My girls, while dating through high school, they never seemed as though they wanted to find a young man in the youth group. I thought, why not find a young guy in the youth group that is a good Christian young man? They, they didn't seem to go for that. They, they, they seemed to bring someone home that was from school. That's where they seemed to find the young men that they seemed to like. Often they brought home, the, those that they brought home didn't have much interaction with church or God. thought it was probably a little strange that her dad was a minister. <laughs> but they would come home. And as Rebecca got more serious about one particular young man, Lynn and I spoke. We were thinking, we're going to have to talk to that young man. We're going to have to talk to our daughter. They seemed to be getting kind of uh, 
serious. Long story short, my kids always knew, just get them to church. We'll do the rest. You know what I mean? Just get them to come to church. We'll take it from there. I'll never forget the day that Nijad came to church. And at the close of that service, Nijad made his way to an altar at which I met him there. And we prayed together for forgiveness of sin. And he asked Jesus in his heart that morning. You see, our kids won't always get it right. Just like us kids didn't always get it right. You know, like only dating those that have a relationship with Christ. I really don't need that. (laughs) But they don't always listen and they don't always pay attention to our influence in their lives. But maybe as we expand the idea of who our kids in this world are, we may just find that our influence that only lacks directly may potentially influence a person that our kids are listening to. You see, Christmas is over. It's done until, well, until next year. But living for Jesus, that may just be getting started for some of us. I mean, really living for Jesus. Herod was out to kill Jesus. The enemy and evil still exists in the world that we live. He comes to kill, still, and destroy. He wants to mess up, especially our you know, our Christian families, our lives, either directly or indirectly through those that we love. We're leaving Christmas and all of its wrappings behind as we turn and face towards the cross. Let's move forward from here. Let's navigate the evil this year by trusting God, faithful, faithfully obeying, by taking care of those that we love and hearing the voice of God and acting on it and not forgetting the world that Christ died for. There are those, maybe right in our own families, that need us to love those that they love, those that they have influence in their lives. The way in which we do may bring them all to Christ. Thanks be to God. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we've just finished celebrating the beauty of the Christmas season and all that it brings, what it means to us as followers of Jesus for Christ to be born. And then we turn from here, Lord, just as Joseph and Mary turned and it was time to get out of there. There was was evil that was after them. And Lord, we know that evil exists today. We know that the enemy hates it when we worship you. The enemy hates it when we serve and love other people the way you would have us love them. Would you help us turn from what has been over this last month or so and begin our journey towards the cross, following Jesus every step of the way. Lord, might we know that it's important that we keep trusting you, that we care for those that you've entrusted to us Lord, may we never forget the world that Christ has died for. May we see it in the lives of those that perhaps our own families bringing around us, Lord. May we be the, the godly influence in that person that may influence those that we love and care for so desperately, Lord. We're grateful and we're thankful, Lord. You're doing more than we ever can even imagine without us pre- even really knowing it, Lord. 
So we're grateful and we're thankful. Help, help us, Lord, navigate the evil. Make our path straight as we follow after you. It's a messy world, but Lord, you've called us to be that shining light in that world. So Lord, this day as we move forward, we pray that we would be that to others. Help us to expand that area of influence, Lord, to include others that maybe we might not usually include. We're grateful and thankful, Lord, because you expanded your world to include us. So we're grateful and thankful. Lord, help us to be that kind of thankful people that walk from this place. Bless these who have gathered together and those that could not be here as we leave this place. We thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.